Good evening, and the Lord be with you. And may the Holy Spirit open the eyes of our understanding tonight. I want to continue where we left off last week, and so if you are joining us tonight, it will bless your heart, but you will understand it better if you listen to last week. We were talking about the blessing that was given to Adam right at the very beginning of the human race. In fact, I can't stress this enough, that the blessing was not something that is disconnected from original creation. It isn't that here is man exactly as man, I mean mankind, is supposed to be, and now is sort of an add-on extra, the icing on the cake, there is given the blessing. But right there in those verses, Genesis 1, verse 26 and 27, 28, it is very plain, this is part of creation. That is, this is what man was intended to be. When, when God created human, it included his giving human the blessing. <clears throat> and man cannot be all the fullness. He cannot live life to the full. He cannot be the potential that he was created to be without the blessing. And that is so important. And remember, and I say it will have to go back to last week to get the whole drift of this. It took an hour to say it. But what is the blessing? Just to remind you quickly, the blessing, that word blessing, bless, it's a good word spoken by God that declares the value and the worth that he places <clears throat> upon mankind, upon the human. This word, this good word, it conveys his love purpose. And he conveys that love purpose upon the totality of mankind's existence. And so the blessing, it embraces my innermost self, my spirit, but it also embraces my mind and my emotions. The, the blessing gets into the very cells of my body, the organs of my body, and the blessing is into everything that I touch, my entire life of work and possessions and my touch with the world and society, I am blessed. That is the idea. Okay, blessing, it's a good word spoken by God, but it's a word that is unlike a human word, which may impart information. This is a word. The blessing is a word that effectually actually imparts the divine wisdom and strength and power to the person being blessed that enables him or her to become all that the good word is describing. You, you understand that? The blessing is not informing you of this is what God would like and if you have a jolly good try you might make it. No, no, no. The blessing the word spoken in the blessing, that word actually imparts 
the enablement, the power, the strength to make what it said happen. The words are alive with God himself. It is God giving himself in power into the human life and existence. And it's a word that grants the person blessed with the authority to imprint the goals of the blessing into his history. The blessing. And we spent all of last week talking about that. That Adam and Eve, um, let me say at this point, the word Adam is a difficult word to really say what it means. But essentially the word Adam means human. It, it, it means this, this creature that has been fashioned and formed out of the dust of the earth, this human. And so when I say Adam, in a very real sense, I speak of the human race. This is the human, the first. Eve, the, the word means the mother of all living. And so here is the human, and here is the way the human shall become those who shall cover the earth and fill history. The human, and I say again, they were blessed. They are created, and they are blessed, because a human cannot live to the full, cannot be who he truly is created to be outside of the blessing and then the incredible and even though we we were part of this at one time in our lives and yet the incredible mankind just uh, that was genesis one we've been talking about genesis three and mankind believes the lie of satan rejects God and his blessing and seeks to find that strength, that power, that wisdom within himself that he will be a God. And so the first question that is posed before we've exited Genesis 3 is how, how shall the blessing be restored? When I, when I read that blessing and see the strength and the power that has an effect upon my entire existence, not some ethereal spiritual stuff, but in my deepest innermost self to know God and walk in union with him right through to my physical and my possessions and my impact on society to walk in God's strength, God power, and above all, to walk in God love. How shall that be restored for mankind, the Adam and the Eve, placed the planet that they were called upon to walk with blessing and be stewards of it, they have given it into the hands of Satan, so that he's called the prince of this world, the god of this world. <laughs> that was Adam, you know. Adam was the prince of this world, and to work in the blessing of God, to bring it to God's love purpose, he's handed it over to Satan. Incredible. And so much so that 
when Jesus was tempted, Satan said to him, I can give you all the kingdoms of the earth because it's been handed over me to do that. And Jesus did not uh, question that. That's what happened in the Garden of Eden. How? How can Satan be dethroned of the throne that he deceitfully took and was foolishly, idiotically given to him? How can that be taken back so that mankind can sit where he's supposed to sit? And how can mankind walk in that strength and that blessing? How? That's the question of Genesis 3. And I don't know how you look at what happened in the Garden of Eden, but the one who came, God who came to them, and confronted them after they had sinned is a God who loved them and announces immediately his love purposes. And so right there, I mean, what, minutes after Adam has been confronted concerning his sin, the Lord says that the seed of the woman shall crush the head of the serpent. That is, the one who has illegally, this pretend prince who has taken over the earth to make it into a chaos of evil, or by mankind's invitation, that pretend prince shall be crushed. But notice, by the seed of the woman, and therefore that crushing shall take place by a human. You've got to get that. The earth was given to mankind. He was given the blessing in order to bring all creation to its fullest potential. And mankind said, no thanks, we give this to Satan. Well, if that's ever to come back, if ever we are to see the purposes of God for ourselves and our world, it's a human that has to do it. And it's got to be a human who is joined to this race. One of us. One of us who did this ghastly thing has got to be the one who shall take it back and bring it again to its full potential. So said the promise, one born of a woman, one of this race, one of this race, one who is born of one of the daughters of Eve. He shall be the champion who shall crush the head of the serpent. And if that serpent's head is crushed, if Satan is defeated thus, then along with that goes all the guilt of the sin, all the shame and the power of death, all that came rushing in with Satan's lie. And so, interestingly, in the New Testament, and I'm just going to take one verse, uh, it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and interestingly, you can put it on hold right now, that it is the chapter concerning the resurrection. Jesus' resurrection from the dead and our resurrection. But in verse 45, he says, It is written, the first man, Adam, 
became a living soul. Then, referring to Jesus, he said the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Now, I find that fascinating. One of the titles of Jesus in the New Testament is, he is the last Adam. So there's the first Adam, and he's the one who was blessed, but threw it away and gave everything, including himself and his existence, into the hands of Satan. That's the first one. And, and he brought forth the human race, but he brought them forth in this concentration camp of the domain of darkness. But, says 1 Corinthians 15, there has appeared not just a, another Adam, but the last Adam, meaning there'll never be another. That is, Adam has appeared who shall deal with this mess, and having dealt with it, it will be dealt with to perfection unto endless ages. Jesus, one of his titles, is he's the last Adam. And, and I trust you see what this means. And also understand, maybe better than ever, what's going on with Jesus coming. You see, he had to become an authentic human. He's got to be one of us, one of the race that handed the blessing and everything that went with it into the hands of darkness. He's got to be one of us because he's going to undo what we did. And that's the incarnation which is the theological word to say that God so loved us. And those words are hopelessly not enough to say what is really happening, but we'll stick with it. He so loved us that he, the creator, God the Son, would actually become human. Therein is the greatest miracle that shall ever fall across my lips to describe. That God became human. God entered into our humanness, into our limitedness as humans, into our weaknesses as humans. Entered into everything that it means to be human. And he who is God, now within our humanity, authentically and forever, for you realize Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. He who is the Son of God is still in our humanity. He carried human into heaven. He's God joining us where we are. And I must emphasize, um, it wouldn't be any use to us if he came to be Adam, as Adam was before the whole Satan event. No, that wouldn't help us. It would mean that there's turned up among us a human being who cannot relate to where we are. 
you know, you'd have a human being that had got all bright lights around his head and he's floating five foot above the ground and he's just not relating to us. No, God became one of us where we are. In Romans 8.3, the message paraphrase um, really gets to the heart of what this is. Uh, let me read it to you. This is Romans chapter 8, verse 3, but it's in the message paraphrase. It says, God went for the jugular when he sent his own son. He didn't deal with the problem, that is, of our sin and our being under the domain of Satan. He didn't deal with the problem as something remote and unimportant. In his son Jesus, he personally took on our human condition. He entered the disordered mess of struggling humanity in order to set it right once and for all. Okay, did you get that? He took on our human condition. He entered the disordered mess of struggling humanity. And he did it in order to set it right once and for all. Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary, which was echoed there in Genesis chapter 3 when he said the seed of the woman, which is an expression never used in scripture except on that one occasion, that he would be born of the woman, a virgin birth, wonder of wonders. God has come to be one with us so that in her nine-month pregnancy, <laughs> that which was being formed in her womb is 100% human and yet at the same time is God the Son, God from God. My, my wife Nancy and I have talked about this. I cannot relate to it. But, but she has spoken of feeling the kick of a baby against her stomach in the womb. And for Mary to feel the little kick of the one who is God and yet is being formed as a human within her womb. God became a baby at her breast, helpless, dependent sucking life out of her body. Have you ever thought that God became a baby that needed a diaper change? He became a little boy who was assigned chores, who went to synagogue school and learned of a rabbi, who played stickball in the street, who was in the home, who became a teenager and as a teenager was apprenticed to his own father in the trade of carpentry. And all of this happening in a very oppressed part of the world under the Roman Empire. Yeah, God is among us as human for real. I, I say this, 
I, because you've got to get it because we've been taught so much other. He was so real that after 30 years of living thus in Nazareth, when he began to reveal something of who he is and something of his mission, and when his works were begun to be recorded by people, and the people of Nazareth were enraged. They said, who does he think he is? For 30 years, we know who he is. He's the carpenter who's got a shop on Main Street. Who does he think he is saying this scripture's fulfilled in your ears and going around and opening the eyes of the blind and casting out devils? Who does he think he is? He's one of us. He's a carpenter. Well, then I suppose Jesus didn't have bright lights around his head and he didn't float uh, five feet above the ground. He was so authentically, genuinely one of us that those who had him under the microscope for 30 years were enraged to think that he was claiming to be anything else. And in those 30 years, he was living blessed. That is, he had the strength from the Holy Spirit. He had the enablement. He lived age appropriate, by which I mean when he was a 10 year old, he did not know that he was God. There are some monstrous stories going around of Jesus as a little baby knowing he was God. No, he developed, the scripture says, he developed, he grew naturally. And the Holy Spirit was teaching him, but within all the limitations of being human and at whatever age he was. But he is blessed. He's blessed. The Holy Spirit is enabling him and he is making a path that has never been made before, never trodden before. And it says that in Luke chapter 2 and around verse 50, 52, where, where it says that, that he was moving forward. And the word that is used there is of one hacking a path through the jungle where there has been no path. And he was hacking a path of simple obedience to his father. God became man and as man so totally did he become man that he now as human obeys his heavenly father and in so doing is making a path because you see there's never been a human who has done that before mankind has lived in disobedience and lived under the authority of the wicked one but here is a boy age-appropriate, but he's making choices and always to love and to obey the one he knows as Abba or Daddy, Father. And it carries on into teenage. And he is obedient and, and he now learns obedience in the simple things of life. Where do you think he got the Sermon on the Mount from? He learned it in his teenage years. He learned to turn the other cheek to brutal Roman soldiers. He learned when they took your coat to give your shirt also. He learned 
to have no anxiety but to trust his heavenly father all that he taught in his last three years he learned it in those first 30 years he's living all that he will say he learns to pray he learns to be in the presence of his father he learns it all but at the river Jordan when he is 30 years old something happened that was the turning point of the ages of course the incarnation had been the turning point of the ages when God became human then uh, <laughs> human would never be the same again but now that human comes to the moment and that moment is a marker post nothing really is ever going to be the same for Jesus son of God full authentic man goes to the river Jordan and is baptized and that baptism was a baptism of saying yes to his father for the mission that he now understood and was laid out ahead and there came from the heavens a word a good word it says you are my beloved son in you I am well pleased and from the heavens there came what no human being had ever seen before the Holy Spirit descended <clears throat> in the form of a dove and it came upon him and entered into him and upon him there was given to Jesus the blessing as the blessing had never been thought of never been imagined never been conceived in the heart of the best Old Testament scholar they couldn't imagine a person being blessed like this that the father would speak to his son who is now the human Jesus and in the same moment the Holy Spirit God the Holy Spirit would enter into Jesus and he would be empowered by the Spirit and he would start to actually introduce mankind to a world that they had lost before they even got started and it will be to introduce in that power given to him introduce the fact that Satan is cast down strong man is bound all his works are destroyed mankind is set free from sin and mankind is set free from sickness and he is blessed in his entire walk upon this material planet Jesus went from there to live well what he had been living now is magnified <clears throat> and seen by all and he speaks of it but he lived in total dependence please understand people say that you know um, 
the words of Jesus and the works of Jesus, his miracles, prove that he was the Son of God. I take a stand this night and say, no, that's not true. Um, it, that, that's not true. Jesus <clears throat> did all his miracles and he spoke his words as man. That's the whole point. God had to become human. Adam screwed it up. The last Adam, Jesus, is going to restart the human race in a fashion we could never imagine. There's a re new creation happening here. And so it's a human. And as Adam faced Satan, <clears throat> so now the last Adam, as human, faced Satan, but faces Satan as mankind was always meant to with the blessing, the Holy Spirit, strengthening, filling him, granting him the wisdom. And so Jesus said, and it's a word we could talk for hours on, Jesus said, and he, he said it distinctly on this occasion, I'm quoting, but he said it in other ways on many occasions. He said, of my own self, I can do nothing. I mean, have you ever heard that? That Jesus was taking his place as a limited human being. And he said, of my own self, I can do nothing. He said, the words that I speak, first of all, my Father must give them to me. And the works or the miracles I do, it's what I see my Father doing he said, I, I can't do it of myself. Amazing. When he defeats Satan in casting out demons, and he refers to it as the binding of the strong man, he said he does that because the Holy Spirit has enabled him. The dealing here with God, the God who is in the act of loving us, to such a degree, it baffles description that God so loved us, he comes into our humanity as one of us and limits himself and exposes himself through five senses to this world. And he came to a place that was exceptionally oppressed. So, look again at Jesus. He is not a human who discovered a lost secret that he was God. You've heard that, I'm sure, on public television. No, 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 no. He is God who has limited himself to become authentically one of us in order to bring us out from the darkness that we found ourselves in. He's not a God with a mask on. You might have heard that in church. That, that he, he's God, but he puts on a mask and pretends to be human. But of course, you know he's not. I, I've had some in, in our Bible schools when I go into this. It's amazing to me how many of the students 
have thought that God isn't, uh, Jesus isn't really one of us. In fact, when I've said this, uh, we've had some students that have been so angry that they've left the class because the thought that God became human. No, no, no. In their minds, he's God with a mask on. He's putting on this charade, this, this terrific play, but he's, we all know who's behind the mask. No, he is the truth concerning who human is. Sin is not native to humans. No, no, sin came in, but a human is not a person who is to be defined as a sinner. That came in, and yes, everyone since Adam has been twisted, distorted by sin. But no, he, Jesus showed us this is human. And human was never intended to bow to Satan and to be bound in sin. No, he showed us he's the truth. And he showed us that human was never created to draw upon his own strength and try to please God. He showed us that true human says, of my own self, I can do nothing. The only way I can function is with the blessing of the Holy Spirit. And true human was never meant to be crushed under the heel of Satan. No true human can say no to Satan. True human can rise above sickness too. True human walks in the blessing that was originally given to Adam, which was authority over the sea, if you remember. It was authority specifically over fishes. It was authority over the whole material world. And Jesus showed that. It, for some people, this gets very scary because I'm really rocking the foundations of what some folks have been taught. But the blessing upon this God who loves us, Jesus, produces literally heaven on earth so that we are seeing within creation earth, material stuff, there is something else happening here. Heaven has come to earth, and what can only happen in heaven is happening on earth, in this person, Jesus. In fact, this person, Jesus, he's human, but he's a new kind of human. We haven't seen a human like this in the whole history of human. In fact, he's showing to us a new way of being human. And we begin to realize he is, yes, the last Adam. He is an Adam who is going to begin a new mankind. In fact... He's going to be the producer, the source of a new creation. We, we, we talk sometimes very glibly, new creation, born again. Politicians, it rolls up their lips like all the other lies. But 
Think about it. The creation of Genesis 1 that was devastated, thrown into chaos by Adam, Adam the first. Now into that devastated, chaotic race there comes one who is, he's the last Adam. He is going to reverse everything Adam did. Or as C.S. Lewis said, he's going to dance Adam's dance backwards, out of the chaos, out of the darkness. The last Adam. And there'll be new creation. I mean, get that in your head. A new creation. I mean, that means the stuff that's out there. Creation, you understand. A world. My environment. New. And the word new in the Greek means new as you've never seen it before. So this means that Jesus is the prototype of a new kind of human being. He's the prototype of a new mankind. Boy, this is a lot more than get your sins forgiven and go to heaven when you die. Do you realize what you got yourself into? And he comes to show those we call disciples that this is not only his life, but he's going to teach them to live it too. You read through the Gospels? Has it ever, or maybe we also believe that all the disciples, apostles, they had funny, fuzzy lights around their head and they were different too. Uh, if you read carefully, I don't think so. They were very much part of us. But he sent them yeah, back there in the Gospels, when they were still very much disciples, he's teaching them what I'm doing, you can do. I send you, an ordinary Tom, Dick, and Harry from the Galilee, fishermen. They went to heal. He sent them ahead of him. Off they went in twos into villages and they came back and they're halfway out of their brain. Uh, and they're saying, I, I, even the demons were subject to us. When we laid hands on the sick, they recovered. What? He was saying, you can do this. I'm giving you my authority. I'm sharing my blessing with you. And then didn't he say, that, that when you pray, believe that you receive what you prayed for and you shall have whatever you say. Well, that's what Jesus has been doing. And now he says, you can do this. He's showing to them. And, and you see, we, we take it so lightly, but the people who prayed in the Old Testament didn't pray in the same bold and incredibly intimate fashion as Jesus did. And now he says to his disciples and to us, and you can pray this way too. The Father will listen to you. You can say, Father, Abba, just like I do. And he teaches them. This is how the new mankind prays. 
And for anyone who thinks that his works showed that he was the son of God, what do you do when it says, Jesus said, the works that I do, you shall do also. And then if you get over that one, he says, and greater works than these shall you do. And then he said to those at the end of his ministry here, he said, now you go into, you, you, you go into all the world and proclaim this good news and you shall lay hands on the sick. That's the same as you've seen me do. And they shall recover. And you'll cast out demons the same as you've seen me do. You see, I say it again, he's the prototype of a new kind of human being. But how is he going to get us out of this? He has shown us what the new human being looks like. He has shown us that this is where we're headed. But how is he going to get us out from under the throes of Satan? Out from under the guilt of sin and shame? What's he going to do? Ah, he has joined us. And he progressively joins us with every twist and turn of life. But if he's going to get us out of here, he has to join us right at the deepest heart of the human race. And that is death. And he chooses he obeys the Father, that this love that he is the living manifestation of, this love will literally join us in the very guts of the hell that we've got ourselves into. And in Gethsemane he said those words, not my will, but yours be done. They are the words upon which our salvation hangs. Because with joy, because he loved you, he will now deliberately choose to go through the very domain of darkness to get a hold of you and bring you out to the Father. Sin was disobedience. And this human who is God and therefore embraces every human, for he is the very foundation of the atomic structure of creation. This one human will now, as a human, obey the Father and go through death itself. And he deliberately places himself into the hands of wicked men, and that's how the New Testament describes what happens, that he, he was in the hands of wicked men, wicked men who were doing the works of their father the devil. For Jesus described that time as the prince of this world comes. And as they beat him until he was unrecognizable as a human being, you could go through all the abuses that come because of sin, from emotional abuse, physical abuse, mental abuse, all the way through to sexual abuse, because crucifixion, you've never seen a picture of it, because a true picture of crucifixion, they stripped their victims naked, that was part of crucifixion, 
that men whose hearts and minds were bestial, who were distorted, twisted, delighted in stripping a human being naked and putting them, nailing them on a cross to be gawked at, mocked and laughed in their nakedness. Jesus was sexually abused in that sense. And 1 Peter 2.24 says he never fought back. He never threatened. He received it. And in that moment, Isaiah 53 tells us, not only were these men taking their own vileness and the own maturity of the lie and sin within them and putting it on him, but something else was happening. For it says that... At the cross, all we, all we, all we like sheep have gone astray. But the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Our sin in this moment that transcended time and space, it all met in Jesus. He's taking it. Name your sin. Feel the depth of your guilt. Feel your shame and know that by this wonder of love, it has been taken and won with Jesus. And when you look at the cross, see your own face in the face of Jesus. He is the man who has now embraced to himself a mankind that is under the command of the darkness. He accepts it. So that 2 Corinthians 5 says, he became sin for us. I can't think that. He became sin for us. Galatians 3 says, he became the curse. That is the anti-blessing. He became that. And then as he hung on the cross... He deliberately chose to enter into death. The Romans didn't kill Jesus. It says that he deliberately handed over his spirit. And he entered into death. And death was the domain of Satan. And Hebrews 2 tells us very plainly that through death... He destroyed him that had the power of death. That is the devil. We cannot plumb the depths of what happened. All we know that into that domain that was the domain of Satan, death and the grave, there comes the one who though he looks like a battered, beaten, failed human being, is none other then God the Son, who has declared of himself, I am the resurrection and the life. And if I can say this carefully and not foolishly, for this is what the earliest preachers of the church would say, Satan bit off more than he could chew. He thought that he had a hold of this one which appeared to him to be Messiah, but he never knew who he really was. For he welcomed this one into his domain. 
not realizing that this one was the representative of the entire human race and that this one was none other than God the Son who is resurrection, who is life. <laughs> and when life enters death, what is going to win? When resurrection enters into death, what's going to happen? And speaking after the manner of men, he blew the place apart. Satan had on his man, hand a man that he'd never had before, a man that even in death was saying yes to God his Father in obedience and giving praise to his Father. Never had a man in death like that. And he has here in death the one who is life. And through death he destroyed him that had the power of death, that is the devil. And the father spoke into death as the judge of all the earth and all dimensions and said, You are my son. I call you forth. And the Holy Spirit enlivened the body of Jesus. And Jesus conquered death, crushed the serpent Satan's head, was released from our sin that he bore, and walked out of the tomb in the garden on Easter Sunday morning. Do you realize the miracle I've just so inadequately described? That old creation, Genesis 1, God said, and it was so. God said, and it was so. God's word called forth creation out of nothing. That's the old creation. We stand in awe. We worship God the creator. But what I've just described is something vastly more than that. For what I have just described is not a creation out of nothing. It's a creation out of death and the awful domain of Satan and the crushing guilt of sin. It's one thing to call creation out of nothing, but this is creation called forth out of anti-life. You, you understand, this is life out from the power of anti-life, unlife. That's why Jesus said in Revelation 1.17, I am he who lives. Maybe you could better understand that if you said, I am aliveness. I was dead. Behold, I am alive forevermore. You see, it's one thing to be alive. It's another to have gone into death and caused death to die. 
And when death was dead, he came out with a life that now can never die because this life is a life beyond all lives ever known up until this point because it's a life that's gone into death, crushed it and come out the other side. Jesus didn't come out of the tomb as dead man walking. You see, Lazarus did. Lazarus was raised from the dead, but with a body that would die. And Lazarus did have a funeral when there was no coming back. The same with Jairus' daughter. She was raised from the dead, but she would die. The widow of Nain's son was raised right out of his coffin, but he would die one day. But resurrection is something entirely different. Resurrection means death is dead. And life, life is Jesus. Jesus as a human being. He as human, embracing us, humanity, went into our death, killed it as a human, killed it and rose out of it, carrying us with him. When you think of Jesus in the garden, when he rose from the dead, see your face in his face. You rose with him. Romans chapter 6 says that as plainly as the Bible ever does. Ephesians chapter 2 said you ascended with him and you are now joined to him in heavenly places. Paul in Galatians 2 says, I was crucified with Christ. Doesn't mean nailed to a cross with him, but he said, when he was crucified, I was crucified with him. I came to an end. Everything that was Saul of Tarsus ended when Jesus died. And everything that Saul of Tarsus now is, I live. He said, I live, yet it's not I. It's Christ who lives in me. I am one with him, joined to him. That's the gospel. And when he rose from the dead, he's still the human, in human body. And they ate with him. They drank with him. For six weeks he was with them, with a body that they couldn't fathom. For it was a body. Yes, it was a body. But it was a body that lived simultaneously in heaven and upon earth between two dimensions. And then he ascended, which means he moved into the other half of the universe. But as he did so, he raised his hands and he blessed them. He blessed them exactly as it had been at the beginning. But he said, you've got to go and wait in Jerusalem to find out what this is about. That's when the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will receive power and strength, ability. And so it was on the day of Pentecost that the last Adam who has upon him unlimited union with the Holy Spirit now shares that Holy Spirit blessing with us. And the Holy Spirit enters into us and he brings to us the good word of the Father that you are my beloved son. 
You are my beloved daughter. Galatians tells us that. The Holy Spirit witnesses with our spirit and he brings us to say, Abba, Daddy, I'm in the family. I'm one of the new kind of humans. And a new kind of life ensues as we shall see in the weeks to come. But it's all summed up in eye has not seen, ear has not heard. It has never been conceived by the heart of man. The things that God has laid up for those who are in this relationship of love with him. But, he said, but the Holy Spirit has now revealed that to us. That's you. That's me. See, many Christians live their whole life without reading who they are. They, they, they believe what they've been told, and whoever told them believes what they had been told, and so you go back into the dark ages. Look, can, can we start hearing what the Word of God, the blessing in print, tells us the blessing is? This is who you are. You are blessed. You have received of the Holy Spirit in a fashion that Adam never even conceived because he didn't even get to base one. But in Jesus Christ, the God-man who came where we are to carry us where he is, he is the blessed Adam, the last blessed Adam. And he calls us his body so that we participate in his blessing. So that we live and we act, we pray and we bless others in the name of Jesus as his representative, as his being present in us and through us. If you, if you can walk away from tonight understanding that this is, get your brains out of the way, your brains, you've been thinking about this and thinking around it and thinking and thinking, go to your heart, not your brain. Let your brain live out of your heart. Your heart comes first. And your heart doesn't think and say, but this and but that. It looks straight on at Jesus Christ, God the Son, Son of Man, who has achieved it, a new human race that lives in the blessing, who is the Holy Spirit in us, upon us, and joining us to Jesus. That is so. Faith is, is it? Faith doesn't take a course in theology to find out perhaps maybe it could be, it's possible, it's true. Faith is the heart saying, Amen, it is so. I abandon myself to that as the foundation of truth. I am blessed in Christ Jesus. And that's where Paul began with the Ephesians, if you remember. He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, past tense, 
blessed us with every, and in our Bibles it said spiritual blessing, it would be better understood as blessings in and from the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus. That is, we're joined to Jesus, and in Jesus we share the Holy Spirit that he had upon him, and has upon him, equals all blessings. And all blessings is what I've been talking about now for the last two hours, for it's from my innermost being to my outermost circumference of being. And as such, you and I, we become distribution centers. We are now, we bless people with the blessing that comes to us through the last Adam, Jesus. We bless people in his name. For the Bible says, and here we have it, my brain can't understand this, but my heart says amen. It says, as he, Jesus is, now, so are we in this world. Jesus is still in this world. He is still in your office. He's still in your school. He's still in your home. In and through you. As he is, so are you. Or again in 1 John it says that we, we abide in him and abiding in him. We ought to walk even as he walked. Okay. I think that's enough for you to let the Holy Spirit enlighten your mind as well as your heart for the next week. And next week we shall plunge even deeper into this because I want to bring you to see how this works. And let me say this, you will never know how it works until you've entered into the is to recognize, to realize that this is final truth. That the blessing of God is in Christ and in us through his Holy Spirit. It is. And when you can recognize that, then we can begin to see how this works in life. But we've got all the time in the world, and I'm going through this slowly so that it can permeate your whole being and change your life forever. Any questions and sharing, because I really would like to know if you're understanding a word I'm talking about, um, just email them. They're on your screen. You can see where to do that. I cannot answer the emails, but I will take every question and bring the answers into what I say week by week, and your sharing will encourage me that I'm getting through. So I hope to hear from you. So, until next week, the blessing of God, who is almighty love, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, rest upon you, rest in you, and be through you in this week that is to come, and indeed to the ages of ages. So I bless you, and so you are blessed this night. Amen.